Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Each year, people gather to compete for the title of World's Strongest Man. Perhaps you've seen it on TV before as you see these behemoths of men uh, doing things like pulling vehicles or lifting a car and carrying it through a course or throwing massive stones as they compete for that title, World's Strongest Man. It's pretty some pretty amazing stuff that you see them do. Well, today we're going to see the Bible's strongest man, and we're going to see him do some pretty incredible feats. But we're also going to learn from his example some things that we need to guard against in our own lives. And we're going to see this as we finish the story of Samson in Judges 15 to 16. And in these chapters, we see some incredible things that Samson does. We see as he is basically given over by other Israelites and turned over to the Philistines. As he does that, he finds the jawbone of a donkey and with it, he kills a thousand men. I mean, that is an incredible feat. One man armed with a jawbone killing a thousand men. We also see him just take the gates of a city, pulling them, bar and all, putting them on his shoulders and carrying them actually a considerable distance is how the Bible describes it. These are some pretty incredible feats when you think of them from a standpoint just of physical strength. And also he shows some ingenuity at the beginning. We see Samson went and caught 300 foxes. And took torches, and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. Now, think about that for a minute. How would you go about just rounding up 300 foxes? And where would you put them? And how long would that take? And then how exactly are you going about tying them tail to tail? Are they just, are the foxes taking this lying down or are they, you know, nipping at Samson's massive forearms as they try to do this? We don't know, but Samson does these things and he clearly does them through the power of God. I've even heard some people suggest that we're not certain what Samson actually looked like. If he did look like this strong man, or if it was just this amazing power of God that overtook somebody that looked normal and he did all of these things. But as we think about the strength that Samson shows, and we do remember he is in Hebrews 11, we know some of that strength was fueled by faith. But also, as we read the story of Samson, we see some things that should concern us and should caution us. Because even though Samson was strong, the strongest physically character we read about in the Bible, we see that his strength was not under control. And we see some problems. It it seems that Samson was someone that would get angry and would get angry in a way that was uh, beyond uh, just a a righteous concern about something. Maybe that's even expressed in, in, in the foxes and all that happens there. But even more specifically, we see Samson out of control in the area of lust. Just 
Yesterday, we talked about how he goes to marry this Philistine woman because that's what seemed right to him. Well, in chapter 16, we see him going and sleeping with a prostitute. And then we see the infamous story of him and Delilah, a story of seduction. And really, I think a story where we see Samson's lust being out of control. I mean, think of think about this as you read through this three different times. She lies to him. She betrays him. But Samson keeps going back to her. And finally, he gives in and tells her what she wants to know, even though she has clearly shown that she is intending evil against him and wants to betray him over to the Philistines. So as we do see Samson, uh, we we see strength in some incredible ways. But I think we also see... uh, anger and lust in ways that should concern us. And the story of Samson, there there is some tragedy to it that he gives into lust. And we think of even the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and his eyes are put out. Uh, the, the, Egypt, the, the Philistines put out his eyes and he ends his life, the last days of his life, really being kind of like a a show horse, a trick pony that the Philistines all look at and he's doing tricks for them and he's just their entertainment. What a disgraceful way to spend his final days. And we do see God answer his prayer though and we know that God was using Samson to bring judgment upon the Philistines in defense of the people of Israel. But I do think we see some of the sad consequences that even though Samson was strong and even though Samson had faith, uh, his anger and his lust and his inability to control his passions really led to some tragic things for him. And that needs to be a warning for us. I want you to think about your passions and whether or not they are under control. And may this passage be a warning to you that when our passions are out of control, that can have some tragic consequences in our own lives. And if you look at your life and even you see some of the passions and you feel like, man, they, they do seem out of control. How do I get a handle on them? That's when it's good for us to be reminded that we have a safe, a savior, that we are not left to our own devices to try to just pull ourselves up by our own spiritual bootstraps, but we have a savior. And if you really want to know the strongest person in the Bible, well, physically, just from a, hey, how much can you bench or how many, how far can you carry a city gate? Yeah, that might be Samson, but the most powerful human we are going to see in the Bible is Jesus Christ. Obviously fully human, but fully God, and we see his power on display today as we read Mark 21 through 34. And this is maybe the opposite of out of control strength. Here we see Jesus and his strength displayed really even in compassion and kindness. Starting in verse 21, we begin this story about the daughter of this man named Jairus, who Jesus, spoiler alert, is going to raise from the dead in our reading tomorrow. But as he is on the way to help this man and his daughter, there's this episode where this woman comes who's had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And I mean, if you just think about that, that must have been incredible suffering. And she's apparently tried everything. And she's, it seems, spent all her money trying to fix this problem. And it hasn't gotten any better. It's actually gotten worse. 
But she has faith that if even she can touch the garments of Jesus, she will be made well. And as she does, Jesus senses what has happened and Jesus calls this woman out. And if you look at verse 33, it says, the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth, right? She is as intimidated as you could possibly be in this moment, even though somehow she can tell instantaneously, boom, she's healed. She is still incredibly afraid to come before Jesus because she was trying to kind of do this on the down low. Just if I can touch his garment, just get in, get out. Um, She didn't want to be involved in a big public scene, but Jesus calls her out. But I want you to note the tenderness and the kindness with which Jesus responds to this woman. In verse 34, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. He doesn't rebuke her. Uh, He's gentle and kind. And ultimately, the suffering of this woman is relieved. So let that be an encouragement to us, even when we're going through suffering in this life, or even as we look at our own passions and we know, God, I need help to overcome these passions, to put these sinful desires to death, that we have a Savior who is full of compassion and that he cares for us. And he is tender and he responds to those who reach out to him in faith. May we follow that example today, even if it's in dealing with our own struggle against sin. But it's good to know that we have a savior, we have an advocate, and we have a God that we can look to in times of trouble, because that's what we're going to see as we start reading Psalm 55. We'll spend a few days in this psalm, but you get a sense that this is not one of the happy psalms, at least not at the beginning. And we see just a prayer being raised to God, a plea for mercy, it says in verse 1. In verse 4, it says, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. And maybe you feel like this sometimes. Maybe you feel like this today, this Monday in the month of May. And you feel like, man, I wish I had wings so I could fly away. Well, as you think about that. Remember what we just read in Mark. Remember the character of the Savior that we have. Consider the plight of that woman who I'm sure she wished she had wings and could fly away from her physical problems, but ultimately it was looking in faith to Jesus that healed her. May we all today, even though you may be in the depths, that you may be in despair, look to Jesus, our kind and gentle and meek shepherd and savior, the one who has all power and all authority, but has it all under control and is showing his compassion, has a history of showing his compassion to those who seek him. 
Well, we've talked a lot about passion today, and we're going to see a positive example of passion as we wrap up and look at Romans 15. Romans 15, verses 14 through 33. And today we're going to get one of those snapshots into the life of the Apostle Paul, what he cared about, what his desires were. And as he begins to wrap up this letter to the Romans, he talks about how he wants to get there and see them, but then he wants to go beyond. He mentions wanting to go beyond to Spain. And he talks about how he wants to build on not other people's foundation. In verse 20, he says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. He wants to go and take the gospel to new places. And he has a passion for that. He has a drive that's going to keep him going. But he also has a passion to care for the church because what's holding him from Stopping in Rome on his way to Spain right now? Well, he is going to go and deliver an offering to the saints at Jerusalem who are experiencing a time of physical need. And so we see these passions that Paul has, a passion to spread the gospel to places where it has not been named, a passion to serve the church and even to do what he can do to provide for the needs of Believers that were experiencing persecution and needed even the physical and practical help. May we follow that, that example of what passion looks like. And may we take our passions and turn them on the gospel and serving the church. So as we wrap up the story of Samson today and start to wrap up the letter of Romans, may we be encouraged to examine our own passions and to see where they are leading us. And may God be continually transforming our hearts and causing us to be less and less filled with the passions of the flesh and more and more filled with passion for the gospel and for the church. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.